1: Hello, and welcome to the EDH RecCast. My name is Joey Schultz, and I'm joined, as always, by my fantastic co-hosts. Up first, he went to an acting class, and when he was asked to improvise, he got on stage and tapped a bunch of artifacts. It's Matt Morgan.
2: So my friend got a degree in Egyptology, but he still couldn't find a job, so they told him, you should probably go back and get another degree in Egyptology, which he did. I I told him, you know, in your case... College is quite literally a pyramid scheme.
1: Ooh, you know, Matt, that sounds like too m- much. haha <laughs>
2: Did I do it? Did I dad joke successfully or no? I I'm going to call my mummy. I'm so sad about this. <laughs> I I'm I'm really just torn up. I'm I. You're going to have to wrap me up and and just coddle me a little bit here. I I, I get it. Mm. You're better at this than me. I, I love. That I I am. I am. I am. <laughs> Yeah, I I think (laughs) at least you're not in denial about it.
1: Hey, well done. Well done. Up next, when I tapped my creature so that my vehicles would become crude,
0: he told me, well, they ought to watch their language. It's Dana Roach. Um, I just got a text alert on my phone that a cheese factory exploded in France. Um, Debris is everywhere. (laughs) I... I was not prepared joke. for what, that one. What Brie is it?
1: Dubree. <laughs> Dubree. Wow. Oh, I I cherish you guys. Anyway, this is the EDH RecCast. EDH Rec is the best deck building resource on the web for the commander format, compiling data from deck lists all over the internet to provide helpful recommendations for new commander decks. And here on the podcast, what we like to do is give all of that data a little more context. Dana, do you mind telling us what it is that we'll be doing in this week's episode? We are going to be talking about the most unique commanders. Yeah, we are kind of going through a small uh, revisitation cycle in our episodes, going back on some topics that we've tackled years and years ago that we want to refresh. And this is a big one. The commanders, where when you compare them to other commanders in their same color combinations we see which are the most unique ones, which of them play the fewest cards that a bunch of other commanders are playing, which commanders actually stand out from amongst all of their peers. It should be really interesting to see where that data is today. I'm pretty excited about revisiting this topic. Real quick though, before we get into our main topic, let's pause and thank Chase, also known as Mana Curves, for assisting us with the post-production for the show. And of course, we wanna thank our
0: sponsors for the show too. The EDH cast is sponsored by Card Kingdom and TCG Player. Buying from them is like having three ley lines in your opening hand. Ooh. Just go to EDH Rec and click on the card in question. Choose the vendor link down below. And doing so supports both the site and the show.
2: And if you would prefer to support the show directly, you can do so over at patreon.com slash EDH RecCast, where if patron tiers of all levels, whether you want to join the amazing Discord community that we have going on over there, you want to see all the episodes maybe a day early, or you want that special and most coveted weekly shout out. We have tiers (laughs) of all levels, and it's just a great way to support the show, also while getting yourself a nice little bonus in return. So with that said, I'm going to give it over to Mr. Adam Setterberg, Thank you so much, Adam, for your support. You are getting that awesome patron shout out. So thank you so much for all of your support. We definitely appreciate it. And for you dealing with all of these, uh, these dead jokes that we just beat to death and, and probably should bury them in a tomb somewhere.
1: <laughs> hey, there, there it is. Adam, thank you so much for your Patreonage instead of patronage. Does that make sense? Maybe I should just stick to the show notes. So let's move into our main topic. We are talking about the most unique commanders in every single color combination. We're going to go through them all. And specifically, a way that we should preface how this is being done is, again, we're measuring uniqueness in the same way that we are measuring the synergy scores on the EDHREC site. These commanders run X cards that other commanders of the same color combination are not playing. So these commanders have the greatest number of unique cards in their decks compared to other commanders of the same color combination. And let's dive right into it. We are actually going to start with the two color pairings and we'll kick it off with Azorius. Dana, do you mind telling us what is the most popular Azorius commander, excuse me, not popular, the most unique Azorius commander compared to other Azorius commanders? Uh,
0: The most unique Azorius commander is Sig River Guide. um, 287 decks in a database and there's 41 unique cards in the average Sig deck. Um, Sig is a Azorius merfolk, obviously, um, merfolk wizard technically, a white and a blue with island walk for a 2-2, and this has the ability for one and a white target merfolk you control gains protection of a color of your choice until end of turn. So we're looking at a commander here that's in uh, colors that don't traditionally have a lot of merfolk white that's running a bunch of merfolk. It's it's, going to be kind of a unique thing in Azorius colors. I don't know if I would have guessed Sig, but like once I saw Sig's name, I immediately knew why it was the, the number one Azori's commander on this list.
1: Yep. That's a unique tribe for sure.
2: Yeah. It it, it hasn't been since I want to say Lorwyn, the original time Sig was printed, that we actually got any real white merfolk or any support for merfolk in that color. So yeah, you're, you're kind of limited, but also nobody else is really doing that because Sig kind of does it pretty specifically too.
1: Yeah, I'll be really interested to see if we ever do see merfolk that are not just in green and blue, but also in. Blue and white again. But for now, a lot of the Azorius stuff that we typically see does tend to be like artifacts and control strategies and tapping stuff down. And, you know, even though we've gotten new like vehicle stuff that's going on now, Merfolk is a bit more obscure. But if we do ever go back to some other planes that have a lot of Merfolk, it would be interesting to see if this is a commander that can actually get a bit more love. Because right now, it feels to me like a commander that is unique as a result of the fact that it hasn't gotten enough love. It would be interesting to see if that evolves in the future. Uh, let's move right from Azorius into. Demir now, and this is a very strange one that I know I didn't see coming. The most unique Demir commander is one called Skeleton Ship. And um immediately, Dana, I actually have to ask you if you know what this card is, because I do not know what this card is,
0: and it seems like one that might be up your alley. I, I it does because I play a lot of Demir, so at, at various <laughs> points I've considered making this deck. So yes, I, I know Skeleton Ship is a zero-three um skeleton. <laughs> that you can tap to put a minus one counter on a target creature. Well, and don't forget,
2: it, it It has, at one point it was considered island home, which is a mechanic they haven't done in a very long time. Yes. Um, but if you don't control any islands, you have to get rid of, or sacrifice, I believe is the current errata term <laughs> on Skeleton Ship 2
1: yeah a five mana Demir 03 that can put some minus one counters onto some things by tapping this is a commander that despite how thrilling that ability surely sounds it has over 200 decks to its name which is so you know what impressive and also okay i'm i'm not gonna lie like i'm, I'm not gonna say that this is a good strategy i think we can all see that stat line and see you know it's kind of like it seems more silly than it seems powerful but at the same time looking over its track page I see a lot more support for this strategy for minus one counter demir stuff than I necessarily expected to there is a lot of proliferate stuff going on here there are a lot of untapped shenanigans so that you can use this ability multiple times and frankly I gotta respect this one a very popular card for skeletonship is the card Herobi death swale where uh, whenever creatures are targeted they are immediately killed so skeleton ship instead of putting minus one counters onto things can actually just kill a bunch of things instead and that is honestly a very potent synergy so you know what i'm I'm being a little facetious about you know a skeleton ship what is this that's a little bit weird but like it's weird and i think the best way and i can't help but respect it
0: yeah i I totally agree i mean it's got a real really unique deck that it that it lends itself to that nothing else really in demir colors is probably doing and you know five men is a lot but it's not necessarily (laughs) An uncastable amount of mana, like some old legends we would occasionally see, that's doable. So it'd be great if it wasn't a 0-3, maybe, <laughs> yeah. but um, that that bit's unfortunate. But no, that's, it, it, that's a fun, playable older card, and I'm glad to see that there's enough decks for it to pop up on this list.
1: Exactly. Yeah, you, you put it out there with a nest of scarabs to make a bunch of insects while you're mm-hmm. at it. And then you proliferate a bunch of those, and you are making an army... Slowly, <laughs> right. I respect it. Again, it's a, it's a, it's a little much, but you know, I think it is worth the work. It's, it will require some patience, but I think that it will pay us off. But that's what we've got going on in Demir. Matt, let's
2: move on to Ractos. So for Ractos, we have Blim, comedic genius, which is two in black and a red for a Legendary Imp with flying of 4-3. And whenever Blim Comedic Genius deals combat damage to a player, that player gains control of target permanent you control. Then that player loses life and discards cards equal to the number of permanents they control but do not own. Uh, So this is, uh, you're giving away all of your permanents, which is something that, it's kind of weird, kind of, you usually don't think, well, I want to be giving my stuff to other players. Uh, It's not something you would typically probably want to be doing, but Blim finds a way to do that, uh, whether it's demonic lore or maybe even like immortal coil. Mm. There's quite a few little tips and tricks that you can pull out with Blim that your typical Rakdos commander is not looking to do.
1: Yeah, no other Rakdos deck wants to run Immortal Coil naturally. That's a card that says if there are no cards in your graveyard, you lose the game. But Blim will give those cards away to other players. It's like a a version of Zedru the Greathearted, only a lot meaner. Um, And usually Rakdos is mean in completely different ways, by just beating you in the face or using a bunch of things that are Punisher and make people lose life. But in this case, it's a lot cleverer. It's very tricksy, and I totally respect that for the Rakdos stuff too. So yeah, pretty straightforward stuff there. I think even if we hadn't run this report, we'd probably be able to tell that Blim is pretty unique compared to other Rakdos commanders but now that moves us on to gruel and fun thing for gruel we actually have a tie for the most unique gruel commanders which is itself not necessarily unique uh the commanders here are gallia of the endless dance and halar the fire fletcher so starting with halar the fire fletcher actually this is the gruel commander three mana three three with trample that cares about when you cast kicked spells whenever you cast a kicked spell you get plus one counters onto halar and then they deal damage to each of your opponents equal to the number of counters that are on them. So, this is a kicker deck, and there aren't going to be a lot of other kicker Gruul commanders. Gallia of the Endless Dance, meanwhile, is a 2 mana 2 2 Seder with haste that pumps up your other Saders, and whenever you attack with three or more creatures, you may discard a card at random and then you draw two cards. And so, here we also see something that is going to be unique compared to other Gruul commanders too that there's going to be a Seder tribal deck here, basically. There aren't too many Satyrs in existence, necessarily. You're kind of resigned to cards that are obscure, like Skola Grove Dancer, for example. But it is still not necessarily the usual gruel go smash that we often see for Red and Green.
0: And this is particularly an important point you made there, Joey, about things you don't see in Red and Green. Because Gruel commanders tend to be pretty stompy <laughs> and relatively straightforward to doing things with, like, Trample or or, you know, increasing the the damage or power of a creature. So it makes sense that these two kind of stand out uniquely because they're asking you to do things that most Gruul decks really aren't doing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, in, in talking about, like, doing things that aren't normal in, in a traditional color pair, Tulsimir Friend to Wolves is our Selesnya commander, with the most uniqueness. Uh, Tulsimir is an elf scout, a 3 3 that enters the battlefield creating Volja, friend to elves, a legendary 3 3 green and white wolf creature token. And whenever a wolf enters the battlefield under your control, you gain three life and that creature fights one target creature you don't control. Uh, so Tulsimir is asking you to more or less play a bunch of wolves. Again, this is a repeating theme, but we'll say it again. That's just not something any deck really is asking you to do, let alone one in Selesnia. Just run a bunch of wolves. Yeah, it's kind
2: of a narrow tribe that hasn't really been fleshed out too much. So when you you know you're getting like your your one wolf a year, you get pretty specific. <laughs> Nobody else is really playing around with that. So yeah, it 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 adds up on why Tolsmere is playing all these unique cards that yeah, it's not a tribe that Selesnia usually does a whole lot with.
0: If if Mr. Slesnia Matt Morgan isn't playing Wolf Tribal, it I must would be know. kind of obscure.
2: Yes. <laughs> yeah, I would even know what Slesnia tends to be doing. And Wolf Tribal, not too common.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, although then again, I feel like this could be the type of deck that does still get some benefit from the usual things that we like to see in Selesnia. Like you are making a bunch of wolf tokens in this deck most likely. So the classic parallel lives and other token doublers are going to assist you a lot there that I I would expect. So it is still the type of deck that I think could be supported by a lot of those staples, but when it comes to a niche tribe, those are certainly going to make you stand out from amongst the crowd. Um Matt, is there any chance that you Mr. Selesnia will go to this unique version of Selesnia? Or are you happy with your already Stompies?
2: I'm happy with my already Stompies because I, I have three different versions of those Stompies now. So true. So, <laughs> so I don't, I mean, who knows? I, I may need a fourth Selesnia deck down the road. A, <laughs> n- one, no one can tell. I, I don't have, have saying. I don't have a telling time in real life. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I got, I got to go with the cards.
1: Yeah, and I at one point may need an eighteenth Golgari deck. It's it's hard to say. You can never really tell what's going on. You, you never know. You never know. Exactly. <laughs> uh, moving on now to Orzov. I was really pleased to see this one. Our next, our most unique commander here for Orzov is Killian Ink Duelist from Strixhaven, and this is the Orzov commander. He's a two-two, and he makes spells that target creatures a lot cheaper. And this is an awesome thing to see for Orzov. I think we typically associate Orzov with a lot of the aristocrat stuff going on. Sometimes even to Tokens and especially sacrificing tokens, and also a bunch of life gain. But Killian is standing up from amongst the crowd by instead being basically a really great Voltron because auras that you attach to Killian are going to cost less mana. And fun fact a lot of your removal spells are also going to cost less mana when you're using them to kill your enemy's stuff. So that's pretty rad. You can even get away with not just playing auras that are a bit more unique in Orzhov, but also removal spells that would naturally be a lot more expensive, and therefore the type of spells that you aren't going to see in other Orzhov decks and Killian's like nah for me they're just like two mana instead of four so I'm gonna play a whole lot more of
0: them. Yeah the biggest problem with Utter End was it cost four mana so it's good to see that costing two that feels feels real nice.
2: (laughs) I mean also spending just one mana for a generous gift like that probably puts it in pretty serious category for being a a, one of the better removal spells but even then Angelic Destiny for just two white that's pretty potent. I would say maybe <laughs> even like pretty sweet. Yeah. But then you also get to reduce the cost of like your your bestow spells. You're seeing a lot of those bestow mechanics from back in Born of the Gods, the original Theros block, which is actually kind of a funny interaction, but also very powerful. Mm,
1: I do like that too. Orzov, Killian. Killian, you are killing it.
2: You're you're All right. You forced that so much, like I'm forcing us to talk about Agar the Freezing Flame, which is our is <laughs> it entry into this list. Hide my head in shame. All right, go ahead, Matt. <laughs> so so Agar the Freezing Flame is the, like I said, the is it uh giant wizard that we're gonna talk about for being the most unique. Uh one in is it colors for a 3-3 giant wizard. Whenever a creature or planeswalker an opponent controls is dealt excess damage, if a giant wizard or spell you controlled dealt damage to it this turn, you draw a card. Uh, you don't see a lot of giant tribal, especially in is it colors, because uh, that just doesn't get fleshed out a whole lot. But here we are talking about the uh, the 896 decks currently playing uh, 26 total unique cards because you don't have a whole lot of giants in, in blue, especially maybe like Frost Titan. That's about it. So yeah, you, you, you have a fairly shallow card pool, but you're also doing something fairly specific. Uh, you want to be doing the damage with all these different things. So yeah, it's it's just not a great card pool to pull from because you've gotten very, very little giant support over the years.
1: Yeah, Matt, honestly, if anything, I expected Agar's uniqueness number to be higher than just 26 unique cards that show up in the average Agar deck that don't show up in other Is It decks. Because, like, Is It is the spell slinger stuff. It's usually playing a bunch of the big instants and the big sorceries. And Agar is over here with a little bit of spell synergy, but mostly it's all about. The Giants. This is an unequivocally giant tribal commander deck, um, according to all of the data that we're seeing. So if anything, I would have expected that uniqueness score to be a little bit higher.
2: Yeah, it's just such a weird kind of mechanic. You you want to be dealing excess damage, but it's got to be with your, your Giants, your Wizards, or your spells. So yeah, it's a little all over the place, but also a little super specific with all how all over the place it is.
0: Well, up next, we'll go over to the Golgari color pairing. The most unique commander here is Belby, Corrupted Observer. Uh, 25 unique cards on average in the 1,800 different Belby decks we have in the database, which is also a pretty impressive number. Yeah. Um, Belby is a zombie elf. It says at the beginning of each player's post-combat main phase, that player adds two colorless men to their pool, for each of your opponents who lost a life this turn, so it affects everyone at the table. But presumably, Belby's deck will be built in a way that will best take advantage of that mana. Um, yeah, that I mean, it, it's a a green um, black deck that's probably running things like artifact creatures or Eldrazi to to best mm. utilize all of that colorless mana. And that's just not something you're doing in, in Golgari, really, the colors most known for playing around in the graveyard. This just doesn't care about the graveyard. It's just probably casting things that require a good amount of colorless mana. And that that's not at all surprisingly unique to this pairing.
1: Yeah, this is a, a, a non-shrine deck that is unironically playing a Shrine, Sanctum of Stone Fangs, which will make your opponents lose life and therefore get you a bunch of mana with Belby. This is not a zombie tribal deck, and yet it is a deck that is playing Shepherd of Rot, which you can tap to make your opponents lose life equal to the number of zombies that you have, which works with your commander, works with the Shepherd of Rot itself, but mostly is just there because technically what that is doing for you is tapping for like six mana so that you can cheat out one of those huge artifact creatures or Old Drazi that you'll be running as your mana sink payoff. This is, you know what? Honestly, I, I see why there are over 1,800 decks in the database, for Belby, this might have to be my 18th Golgari deck now that I think about it this is some spicy stuff
0: yeah it's definitely a very interesting commander um it's dangerous too which I guess makes it interesting as well like you can find yourself in a position where you're inadvertently helping everyone else more than you're helping yourself Mm. but but that that's maybe a problem sometimes but it also adds kind of a little interesting bit of flavor to that deck as well so um yeah very cool commander
1: yeah, I am all about it. Moving from Golgari to Boros, our most unique Boros commander is unchanged from the last time we pulled this report. It is Depala Pilot Exemplar, a commander that has over 1,300 decks to its name, and 34 of the cards that show up in its average deck tend to be very unique to this Boros commander. Depala Pilot Exemplar is the Boros Dwarf Tribal and Vehicle Tribal deck. Other dwarves you control get plus one, plus one. Each vehicle you control gets plus one, plus one, as long as it is a creature. And, whenever Depala Pilot Exemplar becomes tapped, you can pay mana to reveal the top X cards of your library, and you get some dwarves and vehicles from among those top cards into your hand with the rest of the cards going to the bottom of the library in a random order. And, all right, I might be a little bit sassy about this, but, you know, since so many of the other Commanders and Boros are doing equipment and aggro things it isn't a surprise that this remains a unique commander because Boros as a color combination was a little bit ill-served in terms of deck diversity for so long so it's nice to see that Tapala is still the most unique Boros commander but I would like for that to keep changing. I would like for the data to be influenced more as Boros discovers more about itself in the future. I think that's the best way for me to say it.
2: Well, also, you're you're dealing with two card types that aren't particularly good in Commander. Dwarves haven't had a whole lot of support. And even when they do, nothing's really blown us away. And, and vehicles are a very new card type. And so the more that we kind of explore, there's a few of them that are that are Dece, Ds plus. But yeah, the, <laughs> there's not, just not a ton of very, very powerful, must-play type of cards outside of dwarf and vehicle-specific decks.
1: D Plus is the best grading system I've ever heard in my life. Matt, I am stealing that from you.
2: Well, yeah, it's, I, I have a good idea right now and then, so if we can start adopting that as our power-level <laughs> conversations, like rule zero, how's your deck? Eh, it's Ds Plus. Dece, yeah, it's dece. Mine's more of a dece minus,
1: so I might switch to a different (laughs) commander. There you go, there you go. That's that's terrific. That's terrific. Uh, Matt, take us to our last two color pairing. Tell us about the most unique Simic commander. So, the most unique
2: Simic commander is going to be Verizol the Split Current, which is X and Simic colors, so a green and a blue. For a legendary serpent, it's a zero zero that says when Verizol Split Current enters the battlefield. Uh, with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each mana spent to cast it. And then whenever you cast a kicked spell, you may remove two plus one, plus one counters from Verizal. If you do, you copy that spell and you may choose new targets for the copy. So Verizal comes in with 769 decks so far uh, with 37 unique cards, one of the higher numbers that we're going to kind of be talking about here. And it's kind of in that same situation with uh, Halar that we talked about where you're dealing with a very specific mechanic with Kicker. So you're kind of forced and shoehorned into this thing that the color combination isn't really doing otherwise outside
0: of this one specific legendary creature. What's even more impressive about this card is this isn't even a real magic card. Like, this is something somebody just made up randomly on a custom creation form. So um, <laughs> to, ha- to have to have gotten so many decks out there, that's very impressive.
2: Wow. I don't... <laughs> I mean, it is a pretty nice number. Like, I, I, I do get that.
1: Yeah. Are you just surprised because it's a Simic Commander that isn't exclusively about drawing
0: cards and ramping? This was like, that was basically the set where there started being so many com- new uh, legends every set where that I just don't remember half them existing at this point. Yeah. I, I do
1: respect that Verizol actually does seem to care more about the kicked cards themselves compared to Halar. Yes. Halar, it feels like it could be just a, a commander that has a bunch of plus one counters on it and then you cast any kicked spell, doesn't matter what it is, the cheaper the better to get the damage trigger going off there, whereas Verizol actually cares about the spells that you are copying, so that is kind of nice. I feel like the strategy is actually a bit more um, fleshed out within that particular deck compared, but they're both still really fun strategies. Both of those are really neat, but definitely the type of thing that is going to be unique compared to other options that those commanders usually up to, because yes, Simic does have a certain habit about its card draw and its Mirren Ramp <laughs> predilections when it comes to its legendary creatures, as we all know, so let's just move on. Let's move away from the two color pairs now, and we are talking about the most unique mono-colored legends this time, starting with white. And starting off here, we have Lin Civi, Defiant Hero, as the most unique mono-white commander. It is a 3-mana 1-3 rebel legend, and it's basically a rebel tribal deck. I can search a library for rebel cards in it can also uh pay three mana and put target rebel card from your graveyard on the bottom of your library so that lincevi can go and find those rebels again there are about 209 Lincivi decks in the database right now and they run 29 cards that are unique to that deck compared to other mono white commanders so uh Go, go Rebels. Star Wars reference goes
2: here. Well, Am I doing it right? I don't think you're I it you're right. not. And it's actually kind of funny <laughs> that in Commander, it's one of the most unique mono white commanders. But if you would tell any paper boomer that used to play standard back in the day when this was a standard card, <laughs> it came from the least original uh, standard decks because people play Lin because the old legend rule that means only one of those things could be in play, so they'd play Lin to k- uh, kill other people's Lin Civis. Oh man, uh, that's how standard went. So saying it's a unique card in a unique deck would blow a few minds. <laughs> so Dana, I'm sorry <laughs> to blow your it. mind.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it, it blew it. But but talk about minds being blown here. Looking at the the most unique mono blue commander. Um, it's from back when magic crossed over with Mortal Kombat and Urza <laughs> stole Raiden's hat. And we have a Blind Seer, um, being the the most unique legendary creature. Blind Seer is two blue, blue, um, for a three, three, and it has the ability one in a blue. Target spell or permanent becomes the color of your choice until end of turn. And yes, that is indeed Urza uh, on that card back when he was masquerading as a Mortal Kombat character. Um, Yeah, 24 unique cards in the 202 Blind Seer decks we have, and basically it's using things like Painter Servant to turn every single thing into the same color. So cards like Insight that draw you cards when a spell of a certain color is cast draw you cards of every spell.
1: Yeah, this is such a unique strategy. There's stuff like hibernation and washout that let you mess around like you'll bounce cards of a certain color and Blindseer can make those cards certain colors. And then you can just control the board by controlling the different colors that things happen to be. Um, i'm just I'm, I'm reeling still because this is a back when creatures were still typelined as creature dash legend instead of legendary creature dash like creature subtypes and stuff like that like it doesn't even read it initially as a legendary creature to me because of the way that it's templated there just in the type line so this is a really funny strategy but you know what again i gotta pay some respect here because there's actually some really cool tricks happening it's not just a like as a niche strategy goes it actually is pulling off some cool stuff because there are also cards like willbender or dismiss into dream on this card's page and those things can gain you control of stuff when you target them with random abilities or make your opponents sacrifice stuff when you target them with random abilities and again the commander becomes a really cool force for removal right there in the uh in the command zone and that that is admittedly pretty clever and pretty potent.
2: Well, and speaking of potent strategies, that actually brings us to our mono black entry into the list. That at first I think a lot of folks maybe found some trouble doing this, but it has only become more potenter. Uh most most potentist? (laughs) Uh, It's it's gotten more gooder, that's what I'm saying. Uh King Makar (laughs) it's King Makar the Gold Cursed is what we're seeing for the most unique mono black commander. King Makar is two black black for a legendary human. That's a two-three with the inspired keyword. So whenever King Makar the Gold Curse becomes untapped, you may exile target creature. If you do put a colorless artifact uh, token named gold onto the battlefield, and it has sacrificed this artifact to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So when this set first came around, kind of the trick was to find a way to tap your creatures and hopefully not having to attack. Uh, You had stuff like Springleaf Drum that gave you free taps. But now we have the vehicle creature type, which is very easy to tap creatures. And so King Makar only has gotten more toys. It's easier for him to tap now, which means you can untap him much more easily and much safer these days. So we're seeing a lot of vehicles. Then we see cards like Marionette Master that allow you to benefit from having a lot of gold in play.
1: Yeah, we've got a respectable 469 decks for King Makar in the database, and in the average deck, 27 cards in King Makar's deck tend to be unique to Makar, and uh, I don't know, I guess we can't talk about this commander without making the obvious dude wears Makar joke.
2: That joke is older than you are, so I don't know how I feel about that.
1: I got a slight laugh out of it, and that's what matters to me, because I've been flubbing a lot of the jokes so far, but I kind of... Got that one? Maybe no.
2: I, I don't think that joke was as inspired as you think it was. Hey, inspired? <laughs> ah, because it's on the card. I appreciate you, Matt. There you go. I, I appreciate you as well. I appreciate this, your effort.
1: You're, I would call you a treasurer, but he deals with gold tokens,
2: so. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Dana, can you just talk
0: about mono red, please? I can't take, take um, this from <laughs> us. I I, I can and, and probably have to at this point. The, <laughs> yes, the most unique mono red commander is Magda Brazen Outlaw, a uh, twenty five hundred decks with eighteen unique cards in these decks. And and Magda is basically a treasure maker that cares about dwarves. So when a dwarf attacks you or dwarf is tapped, excuse me, you make a treasure. Magda is also one of the most popular mono red commanders. And there's a few different build paths here. You can, you know, build a deck that cares about dwarves or one that cares about treasures or one that cares about tutoring up artifacts or dragons, I suppose. But those aren't necessarily things that you normally associate with mono-red anyway. So basically, whatever build path you choose to go down with Magga is probably going to look a little bit different than most other mono-red decks. This this actually
1: surprises me. I feel like treasures and especially, you know, dragons and even artifacts are themselves going to be... Those feel like classic red stuff to, to me at least, but the the ways of acquiring those treasures must be unique compared to the things that other mono-red decks are doing.
0: Yeah, I think they are classic red things, but I think the way this deck wants to do them is maybe a little bit different than you traditionally see in a red deck mm-hmm. that cares about dragons or that cares about treasures.
1: That's that's a really good way to, to phrase it, I, w- I would say. Yeah, this one did kind of surprise me. And I think it's important to note that, again, this is one of the more popular mono red commanders out there. And this is a good distinction for us to make. Like, even if it is not necessarily unique at the EDH tables, it is still a unique build path compared to other mono red decks. And that's a good distinction for us to keep in mind.
2: And to wrap things up with our monocolor legendaries, we actually have two that we're going to talk about here in the mono green category with 22 unique cards each. We have Ayula, Queen Among Bears and then Nylea Kenide. So Ayula, Queen Among Bears is the legendary bear that cares all about having bears. Uh, she can barely contain her excitement for having so many bears <laughs> in the deck, whereas Nylea Kenide is from Theros Beyond Death. Uh, where it's all about reducing the cost on your creature spells. And then you can actually pay two and uh, and a green to reveal a top card of your library. If it's a creature card, you get to put it into your hand. Otherwise, you put it into your graveyard. So they're both doing very, very different things. But also, uh, there's just kind of not a whole lot of overlap. We have a very specific tribe with Ayula, whereas Nylea kind of looking for the mono green graveyard filtering out. Uh, So both doing fairly different strategies there.
1: Nylea's page actually really surprised and impressed me like going further down to see the cards that show up in Nylea's average deck there's a pretty cool strategy happening here since Nylea has the ability to reduce the cost of the creature spells that you cast what these decks tend to play a lot of are creatures like endless one or Inquisitive puppet or ginger brute, all of these like one cost creatures that therefore, with Nylias cost reduction, you could cast for free. So then, when you use a bunch of different things that will draw you cards when you play creature spells, like a Beast Whisper, for example, you can just chain through your deck a whole bunch just really, really easily by turning all of your creatures into zero drops. So I was surprised to see that another mono green deck would be, you know, contending with a unique tribe like bears, for example, because. Again, that's a niche tribe, but this strategy is also very specific, very particular. And honestly, I wasn't entirely expecting it, but I do respect it now that I see it. Those are
0: both two commanders that are doing things that just isn't replicated very often in green. And I agree with you, Joey, the Nylea inclusion is not one I ever would have guessed. And once I've looked at that list, that's really, really interesting for sure.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't think even Morph decks are playing Keeper of the Lens, but here we are talking about it in a mono-green <laughs> yeah. deck. Uh, yeah. Welcome to 2022, everybody. There you go.
1: <laughs> there you go. Okay, we've gone through a whole bunch of those, but that's been a lot of data. So what we need to do right now is pause, take a break from the data and instead talk about some more data let's take a break (laughs) for challenge the stats what do you guys say challenge the stats is an awesome segment here on the podcast where we take a look at all of the different stats on the website that we don't necessarily agree with because sometimes cards see too much or too little play
2: so we'd love to challenge those statistics matt do you mind starting us off this week with your challenge so my challenge this week is going to be looking at kamigawa neon dynasty and that set there's all sorts of just very, very powerful cards, but I'm going to talk about the 44th most most played card in the set. And typically you might think, Matt, why are you talking about some card that's like barely in the top 50 of the set? Well, because this card is actually one of the few times that we get a strictly better version of a card that has over 40,000 cards decks to its name so the card i'm going to talk about is secluded courtyard Uh, this is a land that says when it enters the battlefield you choose a creature type you can tap it for a colorless mana or you can tap it to add one mana of any color and you spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type or the activated ability uh, of a creature or creature card of the chosen type So, this card is only showing up so far in about 3,000 decks. Not too many. It's a fairly new card. hasn't had a whole lot of time to catch on. But this has some very, very strong parallels to the card. Unclaimed Territory that has quite a few decks to its name. Uh, It's been in several pre-cons. And it's a fantastic tribal card. So Unclaimed Territory is roughly the same. Uh, Choose uh, As Unclaimed Territory enters the battlefield, you choose a creature type. You can tap to add a colorless or you can add one mana of any color. And you spend this mana only to cast a creature spell of the chosen type. So Secluded Courtyard has both you know the kind of the the command tower for all of your creature colors uh, whatever tribe you're putting it into but you can use it to activate a creature abilities that you need color or colored mana for so whether you're playing with zombies for example you have cards like lord of the accursed or you're playing humans and you have Catilda dawnheart prime Those have activated abilities that required colored mana, and if you're playing fairly tight with your mana bases there, you're going to be wanting to find room for this card. Uh, You have just these small little edge bonuses. There's precedent in unclaimed territory being in so many dang cards. That secluded courtyard. As soon as we see another heavy tribal set come out or heavy tribal pre-constructed cycle, uh, for those pre-constructed decks, Secluded Courtyard is just going to be one that you want to make sure you have several copies of, and it's already $3. Uh, it's just a very, very powerful card, so you want to make sure you're getting these now while they're still relatively cheap because they're probably going to get more expensive because people are going to be wanting to put them in a lot of tribal decks.
1: That's a very interesting one. You're right. If <laughs> if, if the unclaimed territory is going to show up in near 50,000 decks, then Secluded Courtyard ought to be right behind it. That is a... a An effect that we clearly have demand for. I like this challenge a lot, Matt very well spotted. Don't let that card get buried within the, the data for Neon Dynasty. Uh, I'll move on to my challenge now uh, here, and I'm talking about a kind of weird card. Uh, Fangren Marauder is my challenge for this week. A 6 mana 5 5 beast that says whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may gain 5 life. And this is basically pretty akin to a previous challenge I've done for the card Viridian Revel, which is a green enchantment that says whenever an artifact is put into the graveyard from play, you can Draw a card. And this is basically along the same veins of hey, treasures are an enormous. Force in EDH right now. So if you want to incidentally gain say twenty five life whenever your opponent is sacrificing a bunch of treasures because of all of the treasures that, for example, their Dockside Extortionist is making, um, this is actually a not insubstantial amount of life to gain. Specifically, there are some commanders that actually do care very much about not just artifact tokens but also the act of gaining life, such as Guillaume Master Chef, which only thirty five percent of Guillaume decks are currently playing. Fangren Marauder, and since. Fang- Marauder itself shows up in less than a thousand decks? I don't know. It just seems like kind of a cool thing that does sort of respond to the, the huge prevalence of artifact tokens that are now in the format. And this could be worth a look if you are interested in accidentally gaining a bunch of life whenever your opponents are using such a new staple token type in the format.
0: Well, our last pick here uh, is also token-based. This is coming from Nick Bundy, who you can find on Twitter at Nick S E Bundy, and the card Nick wants to challenge here is Body of Research in Essex Fractal Bloom decks. Uh, Essex is a commander that is is a um, fractal with flying, and the first time you would create one or more tokens during each of your turns, you may instead choose a creature other than Essex Fractal Bloom and create that many tokens that are copies of that creature. And Body of Research uh, create a zero, zero green and blue fractal creature token and put X plus one plus one counters on it where X is a number of cards in your library. Um, Body of Research will still put the plus one counters on the token that Essex will make into a copy of something else. So whatever you wind up making that token into a copy of, (laughs) all the plus one counters still (laughs) fall onto it with Body of Research. Oh, It's currently only in... 14% 14% of the Essex decks, and that card's an absolute blowout, in a lot of cases on its own, let alone when you're putting them onto some other giant degenerate creature that might be showing up in your Essex deck.
1: That is a very silly synergy. So instead of getting the, the zero, 0 or or whatever, Essex is going to be like, no, you've, you've got some other creature that is also plus 65, plus 65, just... Wow, didn't expect that. But uh, Nick, well done. This is a very
0: funny challenge. If that happens to me during an EDH game, I'm going to be so happy. That's delightful. Yeah, you can wind up like putting, you know, 70 counters on your Sage of Hours or something and just <laughs> take all of the turns. Yeah, there's just a lot of different weird ways you can go with it. Um, but again, it's it's one of those cards where if you're just casting it on its own, it's still making you a ginormous creature. So. By itself, it's great. And if you're using the Essex ability, it's that much better. I I totally agree with Nick. This should be in more decks.
1: I love that Simic design has gotten to the point where a card like Body of Research, which makes a big creature, dependent on how many cards are left in your library, like Simic is really at that point where it actually is like, oh, you know what, it might only be like a 10-10 because I've drawn all of the cards in my library already, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be where, where we're at. That is the balancing act of things. I don't know, being a little facetious. How about instead we just move into our main topic? Let's go on to our three color commanders now and see what are the most unique three color commanders in the format, starting with and we're starting off with, funnily enough, Oloro, the Ageless Ascetic. There are 4,000-plus Oloro decks in the database, and... Oloro decks tend to contain 31 unique cards compared to other Esper decks. So again, really popular commander here, but what other Esper deck is doing life gain stuff here? Like, it's a very classic strategy. It's actually a very popular strategy, but not in the context of Esper design. Esper design these days is all artifacts, enchantments, flying tokens. Oloro is the only life gain Esper commander, so he's unique almost by accident, it feels like.
2: Yeah, unique by, by the way of... Asper decks don't really do what Alora was doing anymore. That's mostly reserved for the Orzov decks these days. So yeah, or Alora was ahead and or be- behind the times, <laughs> yeah. uh, depending on how you want to put it. Because um, just blue doesn't do a whole lot with with gaining life anymore. More of the control strategy or artifact strategies. Yeah, you're you're totally right, Joey yeah
1: it's very interesting stuff so i mean that's quick and easy for esper matt do you want to move us on to grixis who's the most unique grixis commander these days
2: i'm i would be so cheery and excited to do this i'll do this happily to talk about (laughs) lind (laughs) cheerful tormentor uh which is one in grixis for a legendary human warlock with two four with death touch uh whenever a curse is put into your graveyard from the battlefield you return it to the battlefield attached to you at the beginning of the next end step and then at the beginning of your upkeep you may attach a curse attached to you to one of your opponents and if you do you draw two cards so right off the bat we know exactly why lind's cheerful tormentor is so unique and that's because it's dealing with a very very specific card type again much like a lot of these other commanders that we've mentioned on the show today uh dealing with curses specifically in grixis colors that grixis colors don't really do a whole lot with enchantments to begin with and so the fact that we have one that deals with not just enchantments but a specific type of enchantment that's exactly why we're seeing such a high uniqueness score uh, 43 unique cards are showing up on lynn's page compared to the average grixis commander
0: up next we can take a look at the jund commanders here um thantis the war weaver is the most unique jund commander mm. 1800 decks with 36 unique cards thantis is a spider uh, five five vigilance and reach that says all creatures attack each combat if able And whenever a creature attacks you or a Planeswalker you control, you put a plus one counter on Thantis. So there's a lot of spiders and a lot of goad-like effects looking at Thantis decks, which aren't things you associate at all with the usual Jund kind of heavy aggro creature beady facey kind of decks we see.
1: (laughs) I think this was actually named by designers at Wizards of the Coast as a commander that they kind of regret because it came in a landfall Jund pre-con, but it had nothing to do with landfall. And in that deck, it was out of place. And it does seem as though that is also true for Jund as a color combination in general. It is doing different stuff. Um, Even from the very first moment that it hit the ground running, it was being a bit more unique. Um, Nowadays, we have gotten more goad stuff, especially in Rakdos colors. So I'm excited to see more of this style. I love the force combat stuff that's going on. So Thantus gets a thumbs up from me or eight thumbs up because, you know, spider. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it is interesting just uh, seeing how this commander arrived has carried a lot of reputation with it as a result of that maybe
0: yeah this was definitely a commander that was poorly served by the deck it was in yes. i could see a whole different a, a different pre it showed up in that cared about things like goat or cared about things like spiders where it really like catches people's eye but because of the deck it was in it didn't do that
2: i mean this this commander almost could be its own face commander for a deck because it's a yeah, super sure. unique ability super unique card i I like it, but yeah, it was very much disserviced by the pre-constructed deck that it came in. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, Moving on now from Jund to Naya, the most unique Naya commander we're seeing is the most adorable one, Rin and Sari Inseparable, which have over 3,200 decks to their name and 35 unique cards in their average deck compared to other Naya commanders. Rin and Sari make you dog tokens when you cast cats. They make you cat tokens when you cast dogs. And the fun fact here is that if you play Changelings, which are both cats and dogs, then you get both so this is actually a weird dual tribal deck that also has a lot of changelings in the 99 here as well and that definitely sets it apart from a lot of other naya commanders
2: yeah the changelings to maximize the amount of dogs and cats that you can be casting with rin and sari it makes sense. There isn't any really specific tribal in Naya colors, at least. Uh, you get some more open-ended decks with that. So having, again, specific tribes, it just I feel like we're repeating ourselves quite a bit with that line, but <laughs> it applies to a lot of commanders that are we're, we're going over this episode.
1: Well, then how about instead of specific tribes, we go with some specific keywords? And Matt, do you want to tell us about... Listen, I know I say "bant," but you would say it "bant." So, do you want bant. to tell us about the the bant commander uh, that is the most unique?
2: I surely will. Um, I'll defend this color combination <laughs> and my way or my right to say "bant" uh, with Arcades, the strategist. That is the commander that is the most unique among all bant. Commanders <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, playing about forty cards on average that are unique to Arcades specifically. Um, this cares about Defenders specifically, so it has uh, one in uh, bant colors for a three-five Elder Dragon with flying and vigilance. Whenever a creature with Defender enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card, and then each creature you control with Defender assigns combat damage equal to its toughness rather than its power and can attack as though it didn't have Defender. So. A very, very specific keyword, but you also get a lot of creatures that I don't think a lot of people would really be playing otherwise. <laughs> uh, you have some, some fairly big creatures like Wall of Denial. Mm. Uh, yes, it, I, I know Joy was in denial earlier, as in swimming <gasps> in that river. But, hey, we but got there. The, but there's also <laughs> Overgrown Battlement, uh, very, very commonly played, but... It, it's not really played a lot outside of Arcadis decks, just period, because you want a lot of creatures with a defender and you're not doing that unless you have an Arcadis deck, really.
1: Well, and connected to this, when we move from Bont to Obzon, we will never hear the end of it. I know I'm pronouncing weird, I'm sorry. Uh, But the most unique Obzon commander is Doran the Siege Tower. Again, a toughness matters type of deck here where creatures are using their toughness to fight instead of using their power to fight. And these are... I feel like kind of still slightly unexplored territories. We've gotten these commanders that do allow you to do that type of, of design, and you get to play huge big tree folks with big butts and stuff, and then that, that's awesome. But I don't know. I can see why it might be the type of design that is hesitant to explore too much, because it does, every time I see one of these commanders hit the field, it. I have to like think real hard about the numbers that are on the field because the numbers are lying to me because mm-hmm. the power doesn't matter anymore. It's just the toughness. So it is actually difficult to get used to. But if they do explore it more, that would be kind of interesting to see. But yeah, Doran the Siege Tower has over 1,300 decks to its name and 25 unique cards in a Doran deck compared to other Abzan commanders. And I just like seeing these sim- uh, similarities between what we've got going on with Arcades and with what we've got going on with Doran. Uh,
0: moving on to the Jeskai color combination here, um, the... Most unique commander is also the GOAT here. Um, <laughs> it is the greatest of all I, time, for really, sure. Really, I really wanted to do this bit. Um, <laughs> Zedru the Greathearted, um, at the beginning of your upkeep, you gain X life and draw X cards, where X is the number of permanents you own that your opponents control. And you can activate an ability for just guy colors. Target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. So... This deck just tends to run a bunch of things that you wouldn't normally want to have under your control and then gifts them to somebody else like the worst possible Christmas present you've ever gotten. (laughs) So, yeah, that's it's running cards that no one else wants to run because they don't want to have their abilities in the battlefield. And, And Zedru is the exception to that rule because it's not going to have them for long. It's giving them away.
1: It's a lot like what we saw with Blim, Comedic
0: yes. Genius, earlier.
1: We've got the aggressive minings. We've got stuff like Illusions of Grandeur, these things that have negative downsides, but your opponents are going to have to deal with them, and the whole time you will be drawing cards. And you can build it politically, too, if you want to. This might be a nicer deck than Blim, if you want it to be. Otherwise, you can just totally punish your opponents by giving them stuff. It's, it's a bad presence, and I'm sure that they won't mind uh, receiving bad presents whatsoever.
2: Well, and coming up next, we have our Soltai... Uh, inclusion here on the list, we have Kadina, Slinking Sorcerer, which is one in Sultai colors for a legendary Naga Wizard, uh, coming in at a three-three. And the first face-down creature spell you cast each turn costs three colorless mana less to cast. And whenever a face-down creature enters the battlefield under your control, you draw a card. So Kadena Slinking Sorcerer has 2,600 decks to their name with 48 unique cards. And a fun fact, that's actually how many face-down creatures you can cast in the color combination anyways. (laughs) So it's a very unique little little stat there for you for trivia night. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, so we're
1: seeing Kadena
2: again here. This was the like
1: number one least amount of variance as we saw in our previous episode. And Kadena is also the most unique of the Sultai Commanders because this is a very niche mechanic. And I think that that tells us a lot about the fact that these niches can make you you know, very unique, can certainly make a deck stand out, but then also can sometimes... Uh, dictate a lot of the card choices that can be played in that deck as a result of that. And it's a very interesting push and pull for players to decide their comfort level with and for designers to navigate as they're making interesting and new niche commander types for different color combinations.
0: Well, we just talked about Kadena not that long ago on a on a previous show. So let's move on to the Mardu commander with the most unique decks. Um, Lycia, 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 um, Sanguine Tribune, 962 decks with 25 unique cards. And... This is a commander that that cares about life totals and life gain in uh, Mardu colors. This one is actually a little bit surprising. That, that doesn't seem like something so far outside of Mardu's wheelhouse, at least definitely not outside of White and Black's wheelhouse. Um, yeah. But it's so focused, I'm assuming, uh, on that one specific thing that we are seeing... Um, the most unique spread of cards here uh, among any of the commanders this one does surprise me uh 25 unique cards for uh, leisha decks
1: it feels like i don't know a commander like piru the volatile is also a mardu commander that can cause a whole bunch of life gain and i am surprised to see that this isn't something that is explored a bit more just kind of almost by accident in mardu but i guess a lot of the other mardu stuff that we have tends to be a bit more committed to doing some big stompy or aggressive stuff even if it is lower to the ground um that does kind of leave uh this lisha deck Lycia deck um a a bit more unique just again it almost feels like this one's an accident even though the strategy at its core is popular in black and white maybe i guess not for mardu
2: well, and it's kind of like what we talked about with Aloro, where Esper doesn't do a whole lot of life gain, but Orzov does, which is why you have Aloro that's fairly unique. Mm. Same thing with Lycia, because I can make up a pronunciation for her name, too. Uh, <laughs> We're bad yeah, at this. We're sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but also Boros has a lot of equipment, uh, that, that type of strategy, too. Uh, White and Black doesn't really do anything outside of the aristocrats or the life gain strategies, so merging them together... it. it I understand why there would only be, um, Lysia standing out in the, the the crowd of Mardu commanders when it comes to life gain.
1: The equipment note there that you mentioned as well, that actually explains quite a lot too, because this is a commander that you can suit up and protect a whole lot, which is a slightly different style compared to some of the other uh, Mardu commanders that tend to be a lot more army based, or they care about having lots more creatures. And this one is probably a bit more of a solo artist instead. So that actually explains quite a lot, I think. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, moving from Mardu then to our last three color combination teamer. this one is very interesting to me. I was a little bit surprised surprised when i saw it but i actually really liked to see that Yasova Dragonclaw is our most unique teamer commander. There are a little over 700 Yasova Dragonclaw decks in the database right now and they tend to, uh Yasova Dragonclaw's average deck tends to contain about 25 unique cards compared to other teamer commanders and Yasova Dragonclaw is that 3 mana 4/2 human warrior with trample and at the beginning of combat on your turn you can pay 3 mana including some is it hybrid mana which allows this to be a three color commander and if you do, you gain control of target creature and opponent controls with power less than Yasova's power until end of turn. You untap it and it gains haste, so you get to temporarily steal an opponent's commander. And this is fascinating to see what players are doing with this ability, because the whole deck is full of cards like Captivating Crew or Dominus of Fealty that also allow you to steal stuff from your opponents, but then it's also full of stuff like Neoform and Prime Speaker Vanifar or Life's Legacy, these cards that then allow you to set. Sacrifice the stuff that you stole from your opponents for extra benefit to go and find stuff out of your deck or draw a bunch of cards. So this is like teamer thievery, and that is completely unlike everything that we see the rest of the teamer color combo doing.
0: Yeah, that's very unique um, in that particular color pair as well. And and yeah, this is a commander I also kind of forgotten about. It was a kind of a I guess something people talked about a lot back in the day, but I have not seen a silver Dragon Claw deck in a long time, and. Once you see it showing up on this list, it makes sense considering uh, what a kind of specialized bit of tech this card tends to use that other teamer decks are definitely not using.
1: Yeah, yeah teamer is a color combination that is so weird to me. I can never get a, a hold on it, whether it wants to be creature based or spell based, but like stealing my opponent's stuff and then sacrificing it. I'm all about that. This is a teamer commander I can fully get behind, and uh, just it makes me happy. I feel like I finally found a commander I would be interested in for teamer. Uh, so yeah, c- congrats to Yasova on that one. I'm I'm very impressed. This is a very nifty strategy.
0: So we've we've covered the the color combinations. Let's maybe move on to the lack of color combination, colorless commander <laughs> here. Um, sure. And the four color decks have been excluded here from our stats because. The partner decks are just all over the place in terms of the combination of different partners. There's just so many different variables Mm -hmm. and there's only you know, one of each of the actual true four-color commanders.
1: Well, nitpick, there's a Kaneo Centiro and, and an Omnath Locus of Creation, Dana, so... That's
0: true. Forgot about Omnath. Good good, good catch, Joseph. Oh, but how are
1: we going to measure uniqueness between two commanders, just the two? We're not. The answer is we're not. So let's move to the colorless right. like Yeah, you
0: <laughs> Yeah. Um, and not that there's a ton of colorless legends either, but there's at least right. a few more. Um, enough for Hope of Gearper to stand out. 445 decks and the little drone that could um 19 unique cards so i mean it's not running things that care about eldrazi which that alone basically makes it stand out from the eldrazi titans that are the other most frequently built uh, colorless commanders it's running a lot of equipment things like blackblade reforged and fire shrieker ways to turn the little uh, one one that could into something that can just kill people well and this this
2: Hope of Gearpur really gives you some hope when you see that Commander's Plate is one of the most played cards in the deck. Yes. Which is absolutely hilarious because it gets plus three, plus three, which is fine and all, but it has protection from each color that's not in your commander's color identity, so if you don't have any color identity, then, well, you just get protection.
1: <laughs> protection from. You get
2: protection yeah, you, from yeah. <laughs> all, all the colors. From your friends.
1: Yeah, yes. that's terrific. So it's a, a little teensy thing, which just in terms of size allows it to differentiate itself, but then it is also playing equipment, which is different from all of the Eldrazi, and it's doing some clever stuff. Like, well well done, Hope of Giriper. I I have a new hope. Ha ha. Another Star Wars reference. Does that one work? Matt, are you shaking your
2: head at me? I'm shaking my head at you, of course, but it it was better than your previous attempts to the show. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Love you, too. So let's go. (laughs) I I think you should gear a poor one out for that that joke. (laughs) Oh!
1: Okay. We are trying to get back on track. So let's move to our final entry here. We're talking about the most unique five-color legend, Um, And in this case, it's actually kind of interesting because our most unique five-color legend actually contains the greatest number of unique cards in its deck compared to all of the other commanders of their same color. So here we are talking about Tazri, Beacon of Unity. Not the old Tazri, the new one, the party version. The 5 mana for 6 in white, uh, it is a human warrior that costs 1 less to cast for each creature in your party, and then it has a multicolored activated ability that allows it to be a 5 color deck that allows you to look at the top 6 cards of your library and you can reveal up to 2 cleric, rogue, warrior, wizard, and or ally cards from among them and put them into your hand and the rest go on to the bottom of your library in a random order. This one has 51 unique cards in its average deck compared to five color commanders making it I guess technically our most unique compared to other colors of the same color combination so impressive stuff there Tazri and really the reason for this the reason that we're seeing it be so unique compared to other five color legends is because its deck is a total party it is all about the party mechanic which is itself pretty niche. But it's not just about the party stuff. It's also got like a bunch of D&D references on this page too, which I, for one, did not expect.
0: Yeah, that is not at all something I thought we were going to see with this commander as well. Um, I guess it makes sense in terms of the party mechanic being kind of a DD feeling mechanic, but <laughs> I would not have guessed that was the direction this commander was going to very much go.
1: Yeah, it's stuff like Ceferus and Barrowin and Hama Pashar and like dungeon crawling stuff. Like it's kind of become like a de facto D&D story commander. I think that this is sort of player response to being sad that the party uh keyword or or mechanic or or draft archetype didn't show up in adventures in the forgotten realms. And so players are building a an entire EDH deck based around actual D&D party adventuring. And that I don't know, that, I, it's pretty heartwarming to me. That is a unique thing that I man, I would love to play again a deck like that the theming here is totally through the roof and that's pretty impressive stuff so Tazri, go you gotta respect that beacon of unity indeed but man that is all of our commanders our most unique commanders out there compared to other uh, commanders of the same color combination what a meal of an episode this has been but dana um i guess i'll pass it off to you if there are any final observations that you have about the huge groupings of stuff that we just went through
0: um, You know, I guess I will just repeat the same thing we, re- we said multiple times over the course of the show. Um, Niche tribes and mechanics are just what tends to make this thing unique. Um, the, uh, Something in a color pairing, uh, going back to the very first commander we talked about, Sig River Guide, there's just not a lot of things in white that care about merfolk. That makes that stand out. And, th- and that trend continued all the way through all of the commanders we looked at, where Something that you don't see in those colors almost every single time is what made the particular commander with the most unique cards take that position.
2: What I think this is a a good chance to point out, if you're looking for any given commander that stands out, that does things differently, say you you had a Golos deck or or a Moldrotha deck that kind of was doing the same, same as a lot of different decks out there, and you need something maybe to spruce up your your deck builds, uh, what's in your arsenal— Starting with something along these types of lists is, is a really good chance to do something that you're not gonna be doing typically in those colors. It's just a nice change of pace from you know, your typical, oh, this color combination is always doing this. Well, this commander have, plays a, a different type of strategy. Uh, give some of these a, a shot, maybe just even do a thought exercise, brew with them a little bit, see what you can come up with, and maybe that just gets you inspired to do something with maybe not that specific commander, but something different in those color combinations.
1: I think it's also kind of important to note here that the uniqueness scores, at least as we have measured them, are kind of an all or nothing proposition. You know, we saw Verazal, for example, being the Simic kicker commander, which is unique compared to other Simic stuff. But all it takes is one more Simic commander that cares about Kicker that will play some of the same cards and Verizal's uniqueness score is going to dip all the way down all over again and then there would be something else in its place. So I think that basically for me that's kind of a lesson to also remember to take a look at a bunch of the other commanders that we didn't necessarily name here that still feel unique because they might have just one rival out there with a slightly similar ability that is competing for some of the same card uses and therefore doesn't give it a high uniqueness score but it is still a very unique strategy that not a lot of other commanders are necessarily doing. Just one other commander might be doing.
0: I mean, probably the most unique thing we can talk about here is how Joey pronounces the word vant. Um, definitely stands out as being very singular, I think.
2: <laughs> that That is true. I mean, I, I, I'm just worried about his aunts is is where I I get concerned. <laughs> you know what? If this makes me
1: the most unique... I'm okay with that. The most unique commander. You're, you're is actually
2: Joey. You're, you're definitely the most. You are definitely the most.
1: You know Times what? New Roman
0: is his favorite fonts. Uh,
1: you know what? <laughs> what? Do I need to bring back the oubliette slash Dana called it obliute example? Because I feel <laughs> like I might actually not be the most unique. I,
0: I feel like actually that. Joey, I pronounced it worse than that. I think. What, <laughs> I think you might be giving me too much credit. I think what I said was worse than obliute. <laughs> Oh man! What I, <laughs> I
2: think, I think we way. need to j- usher this episode out and uh,
0: <laughs> exactly, yeah, that's,
2: uniquely that's to... say goodbye. <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Yeah, so let's, let's do that. Let's call this episode to a close. Listeners, we would love to know what your most unique commanders are. What are the commanders that you enjoy playing that seem a little bit different than what other commanders of the same colors are doing? We'd love to hear from you. And fellas, if our listeners want to get in touch with us, where is it that they can find us all?
2: Matt? So you can find me on the Twitters at Mathemus55. That's M-A-T-H-I-M-U-S 55. And don't forget, Wednesday evenings, we are still streaming over at twitch.tv slash Retcast. We have games every single week with guests that are so, so great they are definitely the most unique DS that we have on um, so make sure you tune in for that as well
0: and Dana you can find me on the Twitter birds at Dana Roach you can find me on my other podcast once a week CMDR Central I'm writing articles for UDH Rec and Commanders Herald and you can find all of us together at patreon.com slash
1: and I'm Joey Schultz. You can find me at Joseph M. Schultz on Twitter, and you can find the cast at Retcast on Facebook and on Twitter. Plus, if you've got a question for us, you can contact us at edhretcast at gmail.com. Our thanks go out again to Chase, aka Manicurves, for assisting us with the post-production of the show. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors one last time as well, TCG Player and CardKingdom.com. Plus, you can visit altersleeves.com slash EDH for cool custom EDH Reccast sleeves. Listeners will be back at you next week with more data and insights, but until then, remember EDH Wreck Your Deck before you wreck your deck.